Congressman, in studio this month. How are you doing, Kelly? I'm doing good. Thanks for coming on in. Yeah, I would have been in last month, but you were at home playing sick. Uh, playing sick, yes. It, the very legitimate cold that I had, and I bring it, blame it on Texas because- I was very legitimately in D.C., so I okay. don't think it was going to work uh, that, No, that was not going to be the case then, but you're in town now, you're out, uh, you got a full schedule ahead. Yeah, two days yeah. out here, so it's going to be fun. Then we go down to Texas, we go to McAllen for, we're doing a field hearing in ENC about fentanyl on the border, then we're going to go to Midland and talk to the uh, the little shale play they have down in Texas. Uh, it's not the Bakken, but- so yeah, it's gonna be fun. It's a good. It, it's it, it'll be a good week. Yeah. Uh, the first question uh, I said it last week, and uh, I know we had staff listening, but I hear they didn't relay it to you. So we'll do this cold right now. Yeah. State of the Union was last week, and I just wondered: one, was it a sign seating? No. Two, were you late to this? Yes. To the address? <laughs> so I said I, it had to be either you were late, or he said you wanted to sit next to Marjorie Taylor Greene. So we on Tuesday we had two hearings. I was in two hearings in the morning because D.C. is the only place where they actually expect you to be two places at once. I had a markup in the afternoon, and then we had the Twitter lawyers in in oversight on Wednesday. So I may have been the last person to be on the floor of the House trying to get out of the hearings I was in, meet with my staff, and get ready for the next hearing. And turns out that was the only seat left open. Okay. Hey, I was right. I said that yeah. was the second option. Okay. Well, I, now we know. I get criticized a lot. It was new last week to get criticized by who you were sitting next to, which is well, I, unique. I, I, I equated it to, uh, you know, you're, you're running late to get on the school bus, right? And you're yeah. like, God, I just hope that it's not that kid that I'm sitting next to. Well, and, and so it, like these things are events. I mean, yeah. the speaker had a party in his off. I mean, we brought uh, a guy named Greg Kessel who actually replaced me in the Senate in uh, Western North Dakota. So we ran over there, got a quick picture. We went in, but uh, I had five hearings and two markups last week. So, uh, and I'm not going to complain because I enjoy being in the middle of all of this stuff, but I just didn't have two and a half hours of my life to go stand on the floor and get the best seat, seat possible. Okay. Well, I said that was going to be the first question he answered. Yeah. I appreciate that. Let's talk about just – I know we are more important things, but the decorum uh, uh, during that speech, and people are saying, you know, the, the ripping up of uh, the previous president's speech with Donald Trump. I, I mean, you're, you've been now in that chamber both times. I mean, is this just going to be the new norm, or what needs to happen? To I get hope not. Uh, and I take this back. Let's, I, I practice law all across the state. I didn't always like – the people wearing the robe, uh, but I always respected the robe. Uh, I go to the Christmas party, whether it's President Trump or whether it's uh, President Biden. Uh, I think the decorum matters. I think the 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 position in and of itself is worthy of treating it that way. I would say that I wish the president wouldn't have yelled at us for the second half of his speech as well. But uh, yeah, I mean, I would the, say that that was negotiating with. Uh... <laughs> Uh, so, and I will, I, this might make some news. I thought the first part of his speech, while I disagree with it, the first half of his speech was like pretty good. I, I mean, it was, I mean, good lines, good, uh, I mean, good, uh, delivery, like finished the job. I thought the theme was good. And then all of a sudden about halfway through, we went like Jekyll and Hyde. And if you were sitting in there, I don't know how it portrayed on TV, but it really felt like we were getting yelled at for, uh, the second half of the speech. And then, uh, unfortunately, too many of my colleagues on my side took the bait. You knew it was going to be the story. I knew it was going to be the story. Uh, I, I knew full well it was going to be the story, considering where I was sitting. Uh, and I just wish we would. We're not the House of Lords. We're not Parliament. Uh, you don't. It, 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 we're all better off if we do it in a more professional manner. But I also understand why people were upset. Well, the, the thing that I think elicited the strongest response and uh, the shouting back was the, the allegation from the president about some of the stances from Republicans on Social Security, Medicare, 
and uh, some of those uh, mandatory spending programs. When it comes to, look, there's some members in this chamber that that want to make cuts to Social Security. Yeah, that's, I mean, yeah, I mean, that, I mean, they they, they take that and they go there and uh, all of that. And I mean, the Speaker of the House was on uh, Face the Nation Sunday before basically saying from House Republicans, those are off the table. And uh, usually when the Speaker of the House says that, I, if Speaker Pelosi would have said that, I think everybody would have believed her if she would have said something for the Democrats. So it was uh, there. I, I I, think it's unfortunate, and I do, is because somewhere in the middle of all of this, we lost that one of the things that was worthy of a State of the Union speech was to get rid of non-compete clauses for fast food workers. And I'm not a huge fan of non-compete clauses. I think most of the time they are detrimental to workers. I have yet to find a fast food worker that has a non-compete clause anywhere in the country. And we've been asking since then. I was going to say, have you asked that question? Yeah, yeah I'll do it. Number one, like, oh, by the way, you got a non-compete clause? A lot of, a lot of I, I mean, I don't, so I, I think sometimes we end up, and to our own detriment, and I, you know me, I'm not a yeller, I'm not a screamer, I never have been, but I think we take the focus off of the things we should have it be on. And that's unfortunate sometimes, because there are real, I mean, I think the president spent another $32 trillion in the speech, and I don't think we beat China by becoming China. And there were some real policy things that were uh, talked about in that speech that I think Republicans would have a good both policy and political argument to argue against instead of instead we're talking about who was yelling at who. Congressman Kelly Armstrong, our guest, and he's always welcome to take your questions if you want to send those into 35270. You bring up China. Let's talk about this balloon that we shot down days after it, it was uh, noted by a reporter in Montana. I mean, I, I acknowledged uh, during the time the reason the public knew about this is because somebody was on TikTok talking about it. Since then, we've shot down three other objects in U.S. and Canadian airspace. What's going on here, man? Well, I think one of the, the one of the questions we have and we've asked is we went from not be not wanting to shoot something down over US airspace and all of the, and I don't pretend to be that any of these are the same in a week to a week later let it rip and so norads existed for however long norads existed we've never shot something down over US airspace mm-hmm. we specifically waited till the first one got over the ocean to do it and then all of a sudden within the span of 48 hours we've shot down three more things and that is concerning one i want to know what the policy shift was within those two weeks if there was one are we looking for these things more or not but i told you offline i when it comes to national security and it comes to these different issues i have i think i have a lot of skill sets that i bring knowledge from my time in the private sector my time in the state sector practicing criminal defense being in the oil and gas industry but i I refuse personally to engage on this at the here's what we should have done immediately issue. What I do think we need, and I think it's important, is some kind of non-justified or non-classified justification for, A, why is the policy shifted so dramatically in the last week? And two, what the hell's going on? Yeah. Right. I mean, the White House press secretary, and I don't know if, uh, Eric, do you have that audio ready to go? Take a listen to this. This was earlier today, Congressman. 
we address this from the White House. I know there have been questions and, and concerns about this, but there is no, again, no indication of aliens or extraterrestrial activity with these recent takedowns. Again, there is no indication of aliens or terrestrial activity with these recent takedowns. Wanted to make sure that the American people knew that, all of you knew that, uh, and it was important for us to say that from here because we've been hearing a lot about it. Um, I, I, I'm not... <laughs> Would you tell us? I, I'm just, you know, I loved E.T., the movie, but I'm, I'm just going to leave it there. So that's coming from the White House press secretary. Well, Aliens, I, dude. Well, but I think one of the reasons was a, a general, like, specifically was asked that question, and he said, I'm not ruling anything out. And, uh, like, all the laughing and things aside, I, I mean, there's been a drastic policy shift in military mm -hmm. force readiness, particularly over NORAD and Air Force, and what we're doing, and... I don't like I understand why she did that but I'm I think it's a massive failure on the part of this administration and by the way my I'm on oversight in ENC I'm not getting the classified briefings right. but Intel in particular the Senate Intel committee you have bipartisan anger right now real anger about not being briefed in not knowing what's going on the the Wednesday before the balloon was shot up shot down the cia director was in front of the intelligence committee in front of the u.s senate which is which is truly bipartisan same number of democrats same number of republicans senator rubio senator warner both are really really frustrated and concerned with this administration and it's not necessarily that they can go out and talk because a lot of those happen in a classified briefing but i think there are members on both sides of the aisle in congress that think they're getting completely stonewalled by this administration and they're really really frustrated by it well, I think you're absolutely right, and we got to take a quick pause here, and we'll come back. Uh, about th there's been a dramatic 180, a different approach, and without any explanation for you as members of Congress, that's got to be entirely frustrating. Yeah, and I think it's frustrating the American people. Yeah. I mean, people like we we're shooting things down with missiles above U.S. airspace, and the answer seems to be we're going to have a press conference and laugh about it, and that's not okay. Yeah. I, I mean. I, I'm not worried about ET. I'm worried about whether it's China or Russia or what they are or, or what. If well, if we've always is. known they were here and we're just telling us about it now, if we've changed some of how we're looking for things at high altitude orbits, we like those. Yeah. Not all those answers are classified. When we come back, I, I want to talk, switch gears here. You talked about the the work you were doing last week before the uh, uh, State of the Union. Well, some of that work was, of course, with a new committee about the weaponization yep. of the. I want to talk about that. Also, the train derailment in Ohio. Uh, when it comes to some of the transportation issues yeah. and infrastructure, we come back. Congressman Kelly Armstrong is my guest. If you want to join the conversation, you can let us know at 35270. We'll come back with the congressman right after this. Back to Afternoons Live on the Mighty 790 and 104.7, 104.7 KFGO. I'm going to be right back to my guest, Congressman Kelly Armstrong, in studio here on KFGL. I, I want to talk about the weaponization committee that you're on, but I do have a question because uh, you and I have gone round and round about the January 6th committee. Mm -hmm. You were invited to be on it. Then uh, we're going to just continue to disagree on who decided to not allow you to be on that. But one of the arguments you made was other the other party shouldn't be dictating who can be on a committee from uh, the other yep. party. And... Uh, you can correct me, obviously, if I'm wrong. You've never shied away from doing that in our years of knowing each other. Uh, uh, Elon Omar, uh, representative yep. uh, out of Minnesota, was uh, 
just booted from a committee, correct? Yes, foreign foreign affairs. And the majority voted to remove her from that committee? Yes. What's the difference in those two situations? Uh, well, the one big difference is we didn't kick her off of all of her committees. Uh, well, the January 6th committee is more akin to uh, Adam Schiff and Eric Swalwell, where leadership determines who who takes people off those committees. The other one is Democrats voted to remove two of our members from all of their committees. We removed Omar from one committee. And the answer is, is eventually we have to get to the point where we let each team pick their players and go play ball. Uh, but the reality, and I said this on the floor, I, I stood on the floor and begged my colleagues on the other side not to do this when they did it to our members. I said, because you will have to elicit a response and we're not going to unilaterally disarm. So hopefully, because we didn't do as much as they did on the other side, hopefully we can de-escalate this and not turn into the point where the majority now picks what committees are on. Uh, the the committee that you are now part of, uh, Representative Jordan now is the chair on when it comes to the weaponization of the federal government. You talked about the Twitter uh, attorneys coming in. That was on oversight. The oversight, weaponization okay. was different, okay. but yeah. So, so I had a busy week, Tyler. Yeah, There's well, a reason I had one seat left when I got to the State <laughs> of the Union. I, you're going to keep reminding me of that. I'm just, yeah. Okay, and I, I'll, I understand why. Yeah. Um, the, the This committee, though, when it comes to weaponization, here's my perspective. Seems like a real festivist mood. We're just going to air our grievances from the Republican side saying we're not getting treated fairly by Twitter, by Facebook, by what other other social media account it is. Tell me why I have that perspective wrong. Uh, I don't know how much we'll deal with social media on that committee. I think we dealt with uh, Twitter on oversight. oversight okay. uh, I can just tell you, I think this committee was needed for one particular reason, if nothing, and I did it in the committee, uh, and that is the amount of data the federal government collects on us. And it's not just DOJ. It's DOD. It's HHS. It's CDC. It doesn't matter if you're at a Black Lives Matter protest in the summer or the January 6th. Uh, all this third-party information, they had the location of every, they had every single cell phone in both of those. DOD has requested civilian app from Muslim prayer apps. Uh, CDC was checking to see if people were going to church during quarantine. All of those things are occurring without a search warrant. There's going to be a lot of partisan rancor on that committee. There was in the first hearing. Uh, I think some of it is very much justified, and we could talk about school boards and domestic terrorism when we have more time. But uh, I'm going to concentrate on why the federal government is collecting so much third-party data, why they get to do it without warrants, and what we're going to do about it. Because I think it's the biggest seminal threat we face in the 21st century. See, now that that type of information, I'm, I'm all about learning more. I actually got compliments from Democrats for my five minutes of testifying from Democrats on the committee. And it was you always take compliments when you get it. But then my response was, well, why aren't you asking these questions? Mm -hmm. Instead of talking about the process and dealing with all of that, if you, 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 have, you have agreed to participate in this, of course you're going to beat up. I mean, if you're a Democrat, beating up on Jim Jordan is like what you do. If you're Jim Jordan, <laughs> you take it. And you, I mean, there's some, I mean, there's nobody that's as good at this as that. But there are real questions about why the, like why the DOJ and the FBI thinks they should be involved in what should normally be local problems prosecutions. I said that as well at the hearing. But from my perspective, we have to start talking about the amount of information that our government collects on us. And I'm going to use every opportunity I can to do that. Uh, in the short amount of time here, is talking about information and documents. So now we've got Joe Biden, we've got Mike Pence, you got Donald Trump all being found with classified marked documents at the residence. How the hell does this keep happening? What what needs <laughs> to change? I mean, I, I equate it to, okay, a librarian knows 
if you checked in and checked out a book, but this seems to be a slap on the wrist right now. What, what needs well, to change? Well, I think there's a couple things. One, maybe we classify too many things so people can avoid people like you in the press and dealing with that. Two, obviously how we leave administrations is uh, something that we maybe not leave to their, I mean, to the honor method. And then three, and the one that's really interesting, which I'm curious, I'm, I'm really curious about, and I'm genuinely curious, is how they found documents about his time as a U.S. senator. Uh, I have seen classified documents. Even I've got to do that once in a while. You can't look at those when you're in the House or the Senate unless you're in a skiff. So there are different questions about what that is and where that and how that all looks. But I, I mean, I'm hopeful we figure out a way to do this and look at it. And then, but if you want to talk, and there's there's a lot of different fact sets involved. But the way the National Archives has treated these two cases is very very different. And again, there's bipartisan members of committees that get classified briefings that are like we need to know what these are mm-hmm. because we need to know if there's a national security risk so yeah well and i i completely agree with the i mean we got to figure out the process is it over classification but i mean I, is I, is the question I, I mean i honestly from at least from whether it's a vice president or a president or whoever like you can just decide what you leave and what you take i mean and they have access to all of that stuff and they should have access to all of those things but this is turning into something that i quite frankly am I, I mean, I'll, want, I'll reserve judgment until I know what was actually in all the documents. Oh. But it went, Will you, though? But, I, mean, I mean, will you actually know what's in these documents well, because I think, of the classification? I, I think eventually, I mean, enough people will. I mean, we went from President Trump having nuclear codes laying on the floor at Mar-a-Lago to it's not important what the di- the what the President Biden's documents See, are. I, so I, I, I don't there. like either. I, I don't like yeah. either one of those sides, yeah. but I don't like the very different way in which it gets approached. Sometimes. Well, and the other the other thing that I'll note that changes these two up is how those parties on the receiving end of those, hey, we need to come knock on your door. One was cooperative, the other one wasn't. Well, except, or two, two of them were. Mike Pence and Joe Biden both cooperated. Well, so, there's two different kinds of cooperation. There's cooperation that you say, hey, I voluntarily found this and you guys should come look. Or, hey, somebody found this and now I'm going to cooperate. And we don't know which one of those two it is. Although... I did spend 10 years as a criminal defense attorney. I have a sneaky suspicion of which one of those two cooperations it was. Congressman, I have about a minute left. I'm going to give you the final word before I let you go. What else do people need to know about what's going on with your trip here? Yeah, so uh, we're doing, I mean, listen, you can agree with it or you can disagree with it, but we've had 11 hearings in person in the last two weeks. That's 11 more in-person hearings than I had in two years. The Capitol's back open. We're excited about that. Anybody listening, if you want to come visit us and say hi, please do. If you want to come redress your grievances with your member of Congress, you no longer have to sign into a book on the way in to do it. You can do that as well. Uh, but we're we're hitting the ground running, and we're going to continue to ask these questions, whether it's about fentanyl crossing the southern border or energy security or all of those different issues. And we're going to be in the middle of the fight. I just hope I can stay above the noise once in a while. Congressman, I always appreciate your time. Let's do this again next month, all right? Absolutely. Congressman Kelly Armstrong, right here on Afternoons Live. Get you caught up with CBS and KFGO News next.